Hi, I'm Matt Richter, and this is the Tiagi Group Business Intelligence Podcast. Welcome to Episode 3. My guest today is Lori Orlov. Lori is the founder and principal analyst of the Aging in Place Technology Watch, a market research firm that provides thought leadership, analysis, and guidance about technologies and related services that enable boomers and seniors to remain longer in their home of choice. In her previous career, Lori spent more than 30 years in the technology industry, including 24 years in IT and nine years as the leading industry analyst at Forrester Research. While there, she was often the first in the industry to identify technology trends and management strategies, which have survived the test of time. Hey, Lori, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm cold. You're uh, cold. Well, I'm in Florida. I know. I know. It's, uh, what's it like down there now? Actually, uh, by Florida standards, it's very chilly, and people are uh, riding around with their hooded sweatshirts on their heads. Oh, my gosh. It must have gone below 80. <laughs> yes, it's uh, like 56 right now. Wow. Wow. So, Lori, this is a business-oriented podcast. Why are aging and aging-related issues important topics for companies to consider? Well, um, there's really two dimensions of thinking about it. Uh, one is the aging workforce of the companies and the fact that uh, many employees and companies are baby boomers, which is, of course, the largest single population segment. And uh, we know that 50% of baby boomers have at least one living parent. And so issues related to caregiving and support of that one living parent uh, is top of mind for many executives who see their employees losing work time and many HR departments who um, are trying to come up with work-life strategies that can support caregiving issues related to aging parents. Um, And the uh, stress that it causes on employees and missed work time is, is substantial. On the other hand, the other aspect of why companies should care about it is if companies, in fact, are in the business of providing uh, products and services to consumers, uh, then they should also be really interested in this topic because this is going to be a growing and important market segment for them to think about. And uh, whether they're in the consumer technology industry or whether they're in the services business or whether uh, they're in uh, serving others that are in social services and services business, um, this is a market opportunity for those companies. What caused you to start the website in the business? Well, like many people who are in the aging services field, there's usually a catalyst from one's own life that actually triggers your interest. And in my case, it was being the primary responsible party for my for the care of my mother for her eight-year decline uh, with Alzheimer's. And uh, during that time, I, I first of all, I was amazed at my own ignorance about um, how her care could have been made better. But uh, second, I became a volunteer ombudsman in uh, nursing homes and assisted living facilities in Florida after she passed away. And then I became certified in geriatric care management uh, at the University of Florida uh, in my spare time after I had pretty much wound down my work at Forrester. And then I thought about it one day and I had a sudden insight that um, there were no industry analysts actually describing this technology category. And so in September of 2008, I started this blog, and then in uh, March of 2009, I launched a company. So what type of work are you doing, and can you give us some examples of uh, some of the information that you're either analyzing or blogging about? Um, So what I am doing is essentially describing the market of technologies that can help people live more successfully and longer in their own home as they age. And I've divided the categories of technologies into four categories. The first category is communication and engagement technologies. 
The second category is home safety and security technologies. The third is health and wellness technologies. And the fourth is contribution and learning technologies. And when I describe this, if you can think of these as four interlocking puzzle pieces, uh, my argument when I talk about this to uh, people in this market and outside the market is that you need all four to thrive successfully as you age in your own home. If you aren't uh, keeping your mind engaged, uh, contributing to society, um, potentially volunteering or even working in retirement, which is becoming an increasingly uh, apparent trend, if you aren't doing that, then you run the risk of isolation and depression. If you aren't taking your medications, uh, you run the risk of uh, uh, balance issues and potentially falling down, and so forth and so on. So all of these um, categories are what I describe to be the four categories of technology for aging in place, and what I track are the individual vendor offerings in each of the categories. So what types of uh, technologies then are important in this space? Well, let's, let's just take one of them, uh, communication and engagement, okay. which includes um, the ability to send and receive email, uh, social networking, uh, video, uh, like Skype, for example, uh, access to a PC, access to the Internet. Uh, if you have all, all uh, or several of those, uh, you can stay engaged with people around you in the outside world, including people who share your common interests, your common needs, but even more, um, people who are in your family. If you have that capability, even as you become more frail, you are able to stay connected to others. So that's an example of the technologies in communication and engagement. Do you find that some senior citizens have uh, uh, trouble utilizing some of these new technologies? They do, and to some degree, that's the, uh, the reason for that is because the technologies themselves are not particularly user-friendly. Um, however, there are vendors in the market today who are working on the issue of simplification of the technologies, so that's one answer to the question, which is um, there are companies that have offered uh, software layers that sit on top of more complex operating systems like uh, Windows XP and enable you to use the software, in some cases, even just by touching your finger on a screen, so they're touch-enabled. Um, so that's one, one, one dimension of it is the technology themselves. The other dimension of it is how do people um, become exposed to technologies that they may wish to learn more about. And in that example, um, the least successful method is to have your adult child or your grandchild uh, try to introduce you. And uh, what often happens, uh, what I hear from vendors is, well, you know, I tried to show this stuff to my grandmother, and she wouldn't have anything to do with it. Um, that doesn't seem to be the most successful method. What seems to be working now is peer-to-peer um, uh, -peer training programs that are run in senior centers, um, community centers. Um, if you're, all of your friends are exchanging email and you're not, um, that's another form of peer pressure. Anything that people tell you about that you can only get on the Internet, including, by the way, uh, discounts, including access to benefits programs, including, it turns out, in some states it may be actually, uh, there may be a fee for going in person to a Department of Motor Vehicles, but it would be free if you applied for a license renewal on the Internet. Um, these are all motivators and reasons that uh, catalyze um, seniors into taking a look. So in your four buckets, it sounds like uh, the market size could be quite big. Yes, I've sized the market at uh, uh, approximately $2 billion now and rising to $20 billion by 2020. Um, and it could be much more than uh, $20 billion by 2020 um, if you 
think about um, some of the possibilities that I haven't really defined um, clearly, and that has to do with um, access to games and smartphones. Uh, right now, seniors uh, age 65 plus are not big users of smartphones. They are somewhat uh, interested in games. They certainly love the Wii and all the Wii, the Nintendo-related Wii offerings. Um, but what may happen um, that causes my $20 billion to be somewhat undersized uh, is what happens to smartphone technology uh, by 2020 and uh, to what degree uh, games become the paradigm for uh, helping people stay engaged in the outside world. And since baby boomers are moving into their senior years, uh, the first wave of which happens in 2011, first wave of baby boomers turns 65, I think the market is actually much bigger than $20 billion. I have to ask you then, with the, uh, the iPad mania about to begin, uh, any uh, opinions on how the iPad is going to fit into that marketplace? Well, I, I did write about that, about the iPad, and I thought it had potential. Uh, as much as anything else, I think the potential has to do with um, the uh, user interface. And uh, if you go to, and one of the things I noticed when I actually was looking around about this is if you go to the I, Apple iPad specification page, one of the things that uh, the product shipped with was uh, concepts about accessibility, yeah. including the ability to play back closed caption content, uh, provide voice over screen readers, um, do full screen zoom magnification and um, uh, mono audio, which combines the sound of the left and right channels into a signal that plays in both ears. So this is the way a person who has hearing impairment in one ear can actually hear um, the sound signal effectively with the other ear. Yeah. Thinking through those accessibility features as part of the launch of the product says to me that um, you know, that Apple is interested um, and will be revising the iPad to be more and more usable by seniors. Even though, in fact, many reviewers uh, said, you know, iPad's got this problem, it's got that problem, it's got that other problem. I believe um, seniors are going to like it. So are we. We're already waiting in line. You're already waiting in line? <laughs> <laughs> so give me the characteristics of a typical customer, uh, either for your work or, or who go to your website and use it. Well, the people that go to my website, for the most part, are not direct consumers. There are people in this industry, which could mean they're in the senior housing industry, they're in the social services industry, they could be geriatric care managers, um, uh, they could be uh, vendor executives. Uh, many, many vendors are, are on my website. And in fact, the prime client for what I've been doing um, have been technology vendors. Um, I'm trying to help shape the industry uh, by, by giving advice. And if you look around my website, you'll find I have advice for selling and marketing these products. Um, so many vendors are on my website. Um, in terms of paying me, um, I charge an annual retainer for small vendors. Um, and I also do consulting. And right now I'm in the middle of a consulting project with AARP in which I'm helping them think about the technology for aging in place strategy that they wish to adopt. And I'm doing so by interviewing large tech vendors um, who, and asking them their opinion about what AARP should do. Since much of this technology is useful to caregivers and since caregiving is a growing concern of HR managers, do HR managers and corporate employers know about this? Uh, you you uh, mentioned that a lot of the people going to your site now are product developers or uh, already in the field. Mm -hmm. how, how do we get more 
companies to become aware of this as a growing issue? Well, one thing that's happening actually just next week is I'm speaking at an event in Washington, D.C. called the Care Summit that's run by Care.com, and that uh, target audience for that event are HR managers. Um, I believe that um, that is uh, there are going to be more and more uh, of HR, uh, HR managers who, in fact, are going to be attending uh, events related to caregiving because of the fact that it's such a growing issue for what is essentially a sandwich generation of workers, you know, workers with uh, children, but also workers with aging parents. Um, so that event is uh, targeted at HR managers, and I think there's going to be more like that going forward. What are that some... would include me, uh, where they would start to actually <laughs> think about technology. And for all I know, they've been going to plenty of events around caregiving, but this is the first one I've seen that um, had someone t- uh, talking about technology. What are some of the issues that HR managers are going to hear about at the conference and, and should be hearing about even if it's not at the conference? Excuse me. One of the things they're going to be hearing about is a uh, study that came out in December called Caregiving in the U.S., and that study uh, was done by uh, the National Alliance for Caregiving. Uh, was sponsored by MetLife and AARP. Actually, I'm not sure about AARP. Oh, anyway, sponsored by MetLife. Gail Hunt, who is the CEO of the National Alliance for Caregiving, uh, is going to be speaking at that event uh, about uh, the results of her study. Um, Andrea Cohen from Houseworks is one of the speakers at that event. Andrea is involved in helping what's called an intentional community. Intentional communities are like Beacon Hill Village in Boston, where the residents of the community actually get together and say, we may be needing services that will help us as we age. Let's pay a fee and form a service to us that can get us the services we need when we need them. So that's another example of something people are going to be hearing about at that event. It's really cool. It is really cool. So I'm a company, and I'm starting to take this issue seriously. I send my HR folks to the conference. What are the risks that I have to pay attention to as my company evolves, particularly coming out of the recession mm-hmm. and as as my workers continue to age? What are the risks as a company that I need to manage? Well, I think one of the risks is um, – this lost work time issue uh, for caregiving-related issues. And so I think companies need to be proactive. They need to think about the fact that this is an issue for their employees, and they need to come up with a set of strategies that will mitigate um, the risk of lost work time as a result of caregiving issues, which possibly means they need to uh, come up with more of a work-life balance arrangement in which employees can trade hours, uh, you know, one part of a day, with an, uh, for hours worked elsewhere in the day uh, where they can potentially job share, but the company retains expertise, um, that they plan for periods of time uh, in which the employee is maybe involved in something like seeking um, senior housing for their parents, and it's a fixed time frame while they're looking, but um, they do need the time off. So these are all uh, issues that companies need to deal with. And, you know, the, the biggest risk, of course, is, is uh, losing employees completely over the caregiving issue, and uh, these are employees that you've worked many years to cultivate and develop, and they have expertise that helps keep your company running. So in that regard, um, mitigating these risks would seem to me to make most sense. Does your work take into account uh, the aging work workforce itself? Um, not directly. Uh, 
there's a lot of material out there on the aging workforce, but I don't focus on it because uh, the focus of what I'm doing is really about aging successfully in your own home. Um, and so uh, that's really the center, uh, really the center of what I'm doing. And uh, the aging workforce, insofar as it has caregiving-related issues to seniors who themselves want to age in their own homes, then we overlap. Yeah. How does this compare to the work you left as an industry analyst for uh, Forrester? Well, in some ways, uh, the skills I acquired as an industry analyst are completely related to what I'm doing now. I'm, uh, the most important thing I do is I triangulate information, that is, uh, information from multiple sources. I'm able to look at that type of information and synthesize and figure out what something really means. So when a study comes out that talks about middle baby boomers or another study comes out that talks about housing trends related to seniors, I can combine those two studies together, think about them, and determine what, what it means. That was the biggest skill I acquired while I was uh, at Forrester. I also learned how to uh, present before other people. Um, I'm comfortable speaking in public. I'm, I'm comfortable creating presentations. These are all great skills. What I covered at Forrester, however, for the time I was there, was mostly technologies uh, and mostly ran teams of people who covered technologies. And at the end, I covered executive management uh, jobs like um, chief information officers and, and how they relate to chief executive officers. So in that sense, um, the topic is completely different, um, but the skills remain the same. So how did you educate yourself to be an expert in this space? Uh, well, when I started blogging in 2008, I actually really didn't know very much about this space. Um, I did a project for the University of Florida that, that got me started. Then I began to set Google alerts for myself so that every piece of news that was um, in the market about technology for seniors, um, I got those updates every day. Then I began researching a report. Um, I wrote a report that was a market overview of the four categories I described, and I set a um, a list of interviewees, the people I went and talked to um, about the topic and got their insights. I synthesized what they said and the report that I published that's downloadable uh, for free on my website. Um, that report confirmed my understanding of the market. Um, and uh, I've not had any reason from anybody I've spoken to so far to say that I've misunderstood the market. The real issue now is staying current on the new entrance of technologies uh, in the market, which vendors are pretty cooperative, and they're seeking me out to tell me about them. And then my Google alerts have become quite extensive. Uh, they're about technology and seniors, about seniors, about baby boomers, about baby boomers and technology, and about home health care. So I am drowning in information. I know that you are uh, primarily focused in, in technology areas. But what are some of the other factors that are going to influence aging, for, for example, in the areas of public policy or uh, government or uh, economic factors, et cetera? Well, uh, there's a serious uh, set of issues re related to um, aging in, uh, in the area of long-term care. Right now, uh, when one needs long-term care and the care become, requires, uh, you become quite frail and you need a lot of support, um, the funding model in the U.S. is pretty much that you end up in a nursing home. Uh, and people who want to stay in their own homes uh, typically don't have the same degree of reimbursability 
for care in the home that they would have if they were if the care was offered outside the home. So that's a policy issue. It's addressed in the health care bill in something called the CLASS Act, which is uh, a way of uh, taking long-term care insurance, and then when you've paid in enough of it, you can use it for any service in your home, not just um, you know a senior housing type setting. So that's uh, one of the one of the policy issues. Uh, the other one is reimbursement for telehealth and technologies that are not um, where you're not in the doctor's office. Mm-hmm. Um, there are reimbursement codes in Medicare for reimbursing that, but uh, in fact they're not being used. Doctors still make more money if you show up. Uh, hospitals talk a good game about wanting to lower the costs with telehealth, but in fact hospitals have fixed infrastructure and have not been aggressively. Um, uh, participating in telehealth, despite many of their words to the uh, contrary, uh, so these are these are public policy issues, and um, especially as the specialists in the United States are not always in the locations where the seniors are, and where they're increasingly likely to be. Um, re- remote visits, telehealth, and email, video, uh, chat type technologies are going to be um, more useful in caring for people than uh, not, and what we really want to see is the whole healthcare industry recognize that fact and uh, get with the program because the technologies are ready and waiting for them to use them. So it sounds like companies would be making a big mistake if they only focus on on different technologies. They have to pay attention to some of these other issues and integrate those uh, solutions into how they're uh, addressing the, the aging issue in their workplace. Yes, they have, to, they have to basically look at the world context around them because it's that context that's making it easier or harder for their employees to deal with caregiving issues for their family members. Yeah. It, it's, it sounds like an extremely big problem or, or issue for us to deal with, and, and we don't hear that much about it. That's right, yeah. And so one of my missions is to create awareness and uh, make sure people understand that this is not only there are problems, there are opportunities to solve those problems, there are technologies that can help solve those problems, but we have to want to use them. So why do you call it aging in place? Isn't it technology for aging? Um, I call it aging in place uh, because, um, well, first of all, the, the, the original term aging in place came out of the continuing care retirement community. Um, the idea of those communities was that you would buy an independent living a, a home or apartment, and then when you needed additional services, you would have access to assisted living, and then when you needed uh, skilled nursing, you would have access to skilled nursing. In the past year and a half, the term aging in place has been uh, has n- no longer is associated with continuing care communities. What it is now is a goal for uh, those who are aging. And it has to do with the housing market, the changes in the housing market, the sh- uh, shrinking portfolio sizes of uh, retirement funds. But basically, uh, there's been a groundswell of thinking in the past year and a half that what we want to do as we age is we want to age in place. We do not want to move. And we don't even like the continuing care idea, which is that we bop over from the independent living side to the assisted living side. We don't want to do that either. So since what we want to do is age in place, that is, age in the home in which we're in, our preferred home, that's why I called it Aging in Place Technology Watch. Well, I think it's a cool name. As we wrap up, do you have any uh, final words in summary? No, I I, I think uh, one of the things that's important to always think about is that markets that are not described 
don't exist. And so the purpose of industry analysts is to describe those markets and position the vendors in the markets and make the markets understood and compelling to people who, in fact, would benefit from knowing about them. And so that's my final word is, uh, you know, get educated, learn more about it, and uh, you'll find that this is something that can truly help your employees. Lori, I, I really thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me, Matt. And that was Episode 3 of the Tiagi Group Business Intelligence Podcast. Tune in next time when we talk with Rick Nelson, nationally known recruiting expert, who will provide his insights on the job markets, how employers will manage growth over the couple, next couple of years, and how job seekers can maximize the likelihood of getting the job they want. Thanks again to our guest, Lori Orlov of the Aging in Place Watch. Lori's website is www.ageinplacetech.com. You can catch this episode and others on iTunes or on our website, tiagi.com. Thanks and take care.